Hi, this is the Flexible Mind Therapy Podcast, and my name is Joe Faulkner. Uh, this is actually my second time recording this. Uh, my first time, I had the wrong microphone set up, and unfortunately, I didn't get anything recorded. Uh, so hopefully this time will work out a little bit better. I've been busy with a lot of projects, so I haven't been able to do a podcast in quite a while. But I've been meaning to do a series of podcasts on the subject of safety in our lives, and now seemed uh, as good a time uh, to put out a podcast as any. I realize I'll need to define safety here a bit as we right now have a physical risk to our safety. But the safety I'm discussing is a neurobiological safety, and it works to help us feel like we can be resilient, regulated, and able to thrive. Now, I'm going to come back to define this more later, but first I want to discuss why we don't feel safe right now. In our current environment, we may feel confused, stressed, and even angry. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, people can feel a genuine threat to their physical safety. With a constantly shifting narratives that are out there on the internet, in the media, and even from official sources, it can be hard not to feel anxious. The spiking numbers, hearing someone cough, turning on our phone and seeing the next news brief, or even opening up our Facebook or Twitter accounts and seeing the next dire prediction can trigger our neuroception of danger. They can send us into sympathetic where we become hyper alert and start looking for more of these cues of danger. Our focus narrows and we can start to believe that others are threatening to us. And this can cycle until we wind up down in a dorsal despair or shutdown, where we can feel hopeless and disconnected and like we are barely surviving. This is where it is so important to understand what safety is and what it does for us. Uh, Dr. Stephen Porges, who developed the polyvagal theory that much of what I'm discussing today is based on, describes safety as a biological imperative. This means that it is something that we need to perpetuate our, our existence. And when we understand what safety is at a neurobiological level, we'll, under, we'll come to understand why that is. Now, trauma therapists and writers Tucci, uh, Weller, and Mitchell have this to say. Safety is more than the absence of risk. At its core, it occurs in relationships that engage the neural circuits underpinning physiological renewal and growth. It's found in our spontaneous seeking out of proximity with others, our playfulness and curiosity as we explore intimacy, and our attunement to the comfort of others. It also emerges when our bodies find themselves giving peaceful priority to sleep, rest, and nurture. We find safety in the embodiment of our vulnerability in the heart of a loved one. But how do we do this when we are encouraged to practice social distancing? Part of this is to understand what we really mean when we discuss the term social distancing and compare it to this bi biological imperative that we have. Now, Carter Porges at uh, all write, Humans are highly social creatures, capable of exhibiting and eliciting social interactions as early as the first day of life. 
from birth onwards, social involvement is essential for normal uh, development. In all humans, we can find mechanisms for transmitting social experience, uh, experiences from one generation to the next. The physiological substrates from four social bonds are shared with other processes, including those for, uh, responsible for reproduction and the management of stress responses. From birth, we need social interactions for development. Social interactions or connections tune our ventral vagal complex and our social engagement system to help put a break on our sympathetic system so that our bodies are able to thrive. When we feel safe, we have increases in digestion, gastrointestinal motility, and the ability to rest and sleep, circulation, oxytocin secretion, which is a hormone that's important for social bonding. But probably most important for our discussion right now is we have an increase in our immune response. When we feel safe, our immune response comes online. It really comes alive. When we feel safe, our immune system is able to activate responses related to different types of internal signals involved. Extracellular pathogens, for example, bacteria, which activate pro-inflammatory programming. Intracellular pathogens, for example, viruses, which activate uh, the antiviral uh, programming. And neural signals, which allows for the suppression of the effects of inflammation and sickness behavior when the broader environmental context presents more immediate threats. When we have neuroceptions of danger or life threat, these immune responses are inhibited. The sympathetic system will shut down these immune responses when we are stressed because they are energy consuming. In a sympathetic state, we value mobilizing resources to end the source of our stressor over other bodily functions. This is at a neurobiological level and it takes precedence over activities like digestion and these immune responses. This is why we're much more likely to get sick if we're chronically stressed than if we have a more flexible ventrovagal system. So we're back to the question of what do we do about social distancing? Part of the problem here is in its name. What is really needed with this is physical distancing. We need to have a distance between ourselves and others of approximately six feet and avoid gatherings. Social distancing is an unfortunate name because it implies an isolation that many people feel. In fact, we describe ourselves as self-isolating if we become exposed to someone with COVID-19 or, or we have a positive test. We are really practicing self-care. And I'm reminded of this poem by a Vietnamese monk, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, and I apologize for the very American pronunciation of your name. Um, we are related to each other. By taking care of you, I take care of myself. By taking care of myself, I take care of you. Happiness and safety are not individual matters. We all need to practice self-care right now. And part of that self-care is a need on our parts to become connected. How we do this can be as individual as we are. 
We've seen videos of Italian people singing together on their balconies. We can become connected by video, phone, chat, email, or letters. We can call out to our neighbors across the way who are more than six feet away from us and see how they are doing and greet them and make certain that they and we are doing well. We take, can take comfort in our pets who dem demonstrate such unconditional love and support for us. If we need, we can reach out to our therapists and talk to them about how we're feeling and find ways to help us. We can find ways to play and laugh and sing with those who are around us so that in all of this, we can find those cues of safety that help to activate our ventral vagal complex and strengthen our immune system. Now, I saved one other connection for last, and that is a connection to ourselves that is equally important and can be lost in situations like this. I had the wonderful opportunity to learn recently from Deb Dana, and she reminded me of the important distinction between being socially engaged with ourselves and being selfish. Finding practices that renew and restore us so that we are taking care of ourselves at these times are essential. We need to remember to find time to engage in those activities that bring our ventral vagal, vagal system alive. As I sat down to record this, I made myself a cup of green tea and could feel my ventral vagal energy come up as it always does when I do this. We need to remember to practice those activities that bring us safely into connection with ourselves. Whether we find time to engage in meditation, journaling, self-compassion, yoga, Feldenkrais, etc., Finding our own inner connection as we are also engaged in finding connection with others is essential. We are, in many ways, lucky to have so many options for tools to help us on this inner journey of connection at this time. So it is essential that we reach inward and stay connected with ourselves in healthy ways that help us to be resilient, thriving, and available to others for connection. As we take care of ourselves, we take care of others. So that's this podcast, really an invitation to connection at a time when we are disconnected. My hope is that we'll find ways, innovative, creative, beautiful, deep, and meaningful to connect with one another and ourselves. I'll end on this poem by Lynn Unger by the name of Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel, cease from buying and selling, give up just for now on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing, pray, touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart knowing that we are all connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in each other's hands. Surely that has become clear. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot. 
Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Lynn Unger, 311.20 So this has been the Flexible Mind Podcast and Joe Faulkner. May we all know love, connection, and safety.